Welcome to episode 210 of No Challenges Remaining Alive from Wimbledon Village. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by my host here, Courtney Nguyen. Hello, Courtney. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. Thank you for asking. We are here to break down the draws of the men's and women's, excuse me, the gentlemen's and ladies' oh singles draws at Wimbledon, the championships, 2018. Lovely. Let's start with the women. Let's just get right into this. The draws happened on Friday morning. The The news before the draws, I guess, was Serena's seating, which we'll get to when it comes up, but she got number 25. Before we get to her draw, let's get to, let's talk about that quickly. Wimbledon's always have the discretion to change the seating. So the only slam, all slams have that right. Wimbledon is the only one who ever routinely acts on it. For the men, they have a seating formula for the which weights grass court results heavier. And so it moves like Federer ahead of the doll and it moves Chilich up from five to three. But for the women... Ladies. Uh, ladies, excuse me, for the ladies singles championships. Uh, <laughs> it just throws <laughs> me off. Um, they just stick the WTA rankings and then they... Uh, and they almost, I mean, really, the only people they ever wind up using, usually moving, are Williams sisters. Um, in 2011, they moved both up. This time, they moved Serena up from her unseated ranking way outside top 100 to 25. What were your thoughts on that number? Is it the number you would have come up with? I don't, I, I genuinely don't know. I, I don't know really, and you know this, Ben. I mean, like, we talked about it in, in Birmingham a bit when we were there about like what would you see Serena and, and obviously Petra Kvitova uh, you thought gave a great answer which was nine uh, which people took and you said it's oh that was one spot or below where she was at eight but that wasn't watching her come up with that answer that wasn't where I really thought maybe she was but it's not how I interpreted her coming up with nine it's just an, it's a nice number yeah nice and, number. I, and that became my answer too I was like I'm team Kvitova on this one I would go number nine because it's a single digit number which brings respectability uh and it's also uh a sign that she's won Wimbledon the last two times she's played it but she's not you know seated too high she but she would have to play so the thing with the reason 25 is interesting is essentially 25 is the same functionally as 32 it's the lowest possible seed while still being a seed explain that though ben because a lot of people don't know how draws kind of work and even i mean i'm one of these people that it gets confusing for me so So i'm gonna tell you how draws kind of work okay so they start off with putting the number one and the number two seeds in opposite halves of the draw then they put number three and number four also one in each half then so those randomly drawn in separate quarters three and four are then randomly drawn so that they go um so they're one through four will not meet any of each other before the semifinals then they put five through eight all together, randomly drawn, and put one of those in each quarter of the draw. One, you know, any, so five through eight players can land with number one, number two, number three, number four. And just so that people understand, it's literally a draw. Like you, they pull these, them out of a, a silk pouch. Thing. Yeah, and, and and these are groups of chips that okay, so we go through one through two. We obviously one in, in the top half, two in the bottom half, three and four. We put both chips into a bowl. We draw one, four or three goes in this half, the other one goes in the other half. Then you take a chip group of five through eight, you put those in a bowl, and you draw them randomly. That's how a draw works. And therefore, because of that, and this will go towards what Ben's about to say, it's more about draw groupings. Like there's no difference between being five or eight, but there's a huge difference between being eight or nine. Yeah, so eight, five through eight is one group, then nine through 12 is the next group. Nine through 12 is play the five through eights in the fourth round. And then all of the, and then the next one is 13 through 16, and 13 through 16s play one through four in the fourth round. Then the nine through 16s in the third round play 17 through 24. So those are all one group. And then one through eight in the third round play 25 through 32. So by putting Serena at 25, they put her at the highest numerical, you know, the best number of the worst tier, which would have been significant in theory had someone pulled out, because then she would have moved up into a new strata of the seedings but it just seemed like kind of an odd i don't know it, it just struck me as a weird number to give her because it, it's essentially i mean i guess you kind of knew that they were going to put her at the top of whatever echelon she was in which is why i thought nine was a good answer because it's the same as 12 functionally but it's a little more prestigious and she's going for title number not it nine. makes them look good it's a yeah. pr win to say nine versus 12 and it was a pr win honestly from to seed her at all i think overall the reaction stateside who, who have been very 
Southern, people outside tennis have been very into this. We must seed Serena issue. I mean, Ivanka Trump weighed in. It got crazy. Just like that's like the jumping jumping the Trump shark is something the tennis should. should I mean, it's seriously, like for something as like arcane as seedings, and it's just like it was a weird thing to have like the non tennis public weighing in on this like kind of like weirdly arcane you know this pretty inside minutia of tennis really when we're talking about seedings um and having hot takes about it so then they go to uh then Wimbledon gives her any seed and people react positively to it they're not saying well some people were like 25 could be higher but it was so much better than nothing i think Wimbledon will still score it as a pr move and they were also sending a message i guess that hey we don't think serena's gonna win this tournament or we don't think she's one of the we think that she, because I mean, seeds are predictive in a Wimbledon fashion, for sure they are. Um, and so they're saying, in theory, we think there are 24 people more likely to win the tournament than Serena Williams. And that's what I think is kind of interesting when it comes to the seeding discussion with respect to Wimbledon and also the seeding discussion that I'm sure will occur in a few months as the U.S. Open has announced that they will now take into consideration maternity uh, leave yeah. in terms of potentially bumping a mother that's on tour serena mm-hmm. uh into into the seedings should she need it by that point mm-hmm. which we could argue that she might not i mean if she plays obviously well at wimbledon and does well during this the well six weeks out when's the cutoff for you seed. yeah she could I mean, oh yeah she's entry just a week before so i mean she's in her schedule she's playing wimbledon she's playing san jose which is formerly stanford she will probably play probably one of cincinnati and canada maybe both probably not both i had to guess because she's playing stanford week before we'll see um, she's scheduled incredibly light in her. Yeah. I mean, again, Stanford. Uh, sorry, since uh, San Jose, if she does play in there as she has entered to play there, will be the first one week long tournament Serena has entered since Auckland 2017. And before that, she hadn't entered one since the Olympics, if you count the Olympics, which weren't an official right. tournament, and then Rome 2016. So she really avoids the rank and file tour events now, as everyone who pays attention knows. So we'll see if she's. And does she care about her ranking and seeding? I mean, she should. Honestly, in terms of just the, the protective part, she should. I mean, could she, had she not been seated here, or I mean, anyway, even being in the lowest bracket seed, she could have gotten, she was going to get one of the top eight players in the third round. And there could have been some bad results to that for her. I mean, I don't think she would have been thrilled to be drawn against a Muguruza, a Kvitova, Halep, even honestly. Sloan, she might not be wanting to play right now. Wozniacki, mm, that would have not have been the worst for her, I don't think. But there were a few that she, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, yeah. scary when this happens yeah but 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 that's where i don't know i think that the it's been hard to follow the debate and discussions surrounding the seedings because it gets very muddled very quickly because i don't you know initially when this discussion was being had it was about using a protected ranking uh to use as a protected seating now mm-hmm. lest we forget serena's protected ranking which is a thing that she is entitled to is number one yeah. which means that if you were to use a protected seating then she should be seated your argument therefore should be if you think that she should is is that she should be seated number one at the french open she should have been seated number one at wimbledon or at any tournament that she Indian Wells, miami right exactly one. so that is at least an intellectually clean argument to me. Like if you think that that's the case, and obviously I, I presume and I would hope that people think that that should only be used for a limited amount of time. And there's a debate about, you know, how many tournaments should somebody, if protected seedings was a thing, yeah. how many tournaments you could use. Because, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody the other night at the WTA Tennis on the Thames event. If you were to seed Serena Williams or seed her according to her protected ranking, and let's say that you had a rule because obviously this is all in discussion right now amongst the player council. If you had a rule that said, okay, you can use a player coming back from attorney leave, obviously is already entitled to a protected ranking, but can use that ranking for a protected seating for five tournaments. Now, theoretically, that doesn't sound like many, right? That's five tournaments. That's, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks that that player might use it. For a player like Serena, who plays a limited schedule, as you and I were saying, that is potentially five slams. Yeah. If she doesn't play any tour events and she uses her protected for 13 months, should that be the case? I don't know. I, I think that's a bit much. And I think that that, that opens things up. In an extreme example, like a protected ranking, uh, the rule, I, I think I'll say not working, maybe is too harsh, but like Dimitri Tursanov on the men's side uses protected ranking for a long time and managed to stretch it out and like do all these sort of technicalities to keep it going and going and going until us open last year and he hadn't been a relevant uh you know slam main draw 
caliber player in maybe three or four years. He was still getting these entries, and he was a walking by, as they say, and he played a match against Cam Norrie, and it was just back when Cam Norrie hadn't done anything on tour, and he, and it was maybe the most like low profile match in the main draw of a slam in a long, long time that didn't involve like wild cards. Yeah, and I and I think that the tricky thing here, and in the things that I think Victoria Azarenka again, I, I I use her as the example a lot because I think that she articulated the two sides of the argument very very well when she was asked about it at the French Open. But I think that it's an this debate seems so open and shut because it's Serena. But a rule applies across the board, and it applies to everyone. It applies to the Dmitry Tursunovs, it applies to the Mandy Manellas and the Katerina Bondarenkos and yeah. the Tatiana Marias. And when you start to look at the rule, as Victoria Azarenka said, once we're starting to look at not the individual players, but a rule to apply to everyone, that's where it gets a little dicey. And it's so easy in this situation to like, of course, Serena. I mean, we all know Serena's Serena, of course. But... That's where I think I, I personally kind of am still working through how I feel about it because, yeah, I, 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 I like uniformly applied rules. Yeah, and for actually writing a rule, just looking at the dropping a random seed here, like number 27, Suarez Navarro. Let's say Carla goes and has a kid, Mazel tov, you know, uh, <laughs> but should she be entitled to being seated at the next six Grand Slams when she comes back? When she was a player who's at 27, kind of marginally seated right now. Especially when a protected ranking for a, a player coming back from maternity exists for much longer. So we're not talking about a protected ranking for injury, which is really just like a year or like 18 months. I can't remember what the specific rule is, but for maternity, it's like three years. So you're talking about a player having a baby, coming back three years later, and then using a protected ranking for a seating at majors for how long and the reason why that's a problem is because it unbalances draws and what wimbledon has said said essentially is their reason for changing women's seeds is to make the draw more balanced so they clearly thought that having serena be unseated was unbalanced but having her and that lowest bracket of seeds at number 25 was enough balance so with that here is the women's draw well can i just say one more thing as we've now discussed this for 10 minutes yeah i think the 25 is right then now i'm coming to it's kind of becoming clear to me because i think that Again, she's seeded, so she gets the protection through the first two rounds. She doesn't have to play a seed through the first two rounds. And then you're basically saying if you're the seeding committee, now you have to play a top eight seed in the third round. You win that, boom, you're basically the top eight seed in that section, right? And you've now kind of paved your way. And great. If you lose that match, then it kind of justifies us not seeding you any higher. I would have put her higher. I, I Because, I mean, just if she had drawn, she would have drawn any of the the top eight spoiler if you don't know she drew elena svitolina uh who's number five uh had she drawn like a kvitova and that was a third round match that would have been according to odds makers the two top favorites to win the title in the third round and that to me is not balanced quote unquote so yeah fair point yeah so anyway let's just get into this draw let's 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 make, let's eat this cookie uh simona halep top seed in the draw and she is in the top quarter of the draw uh her eighth of the draws go through Simona Halep opens against Kurumi Nara and then gets Zheng Sai Sai or Wang Chung in the second round, which is, a, I think, a pretty solid opener. And then the seed she would play is Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. This Pavlyuchenkova has had some decent grass results. I think this is a good start for Simona. And then in the fourth round, she gets a couple possible potential familiar names. Uh, Lise Mertens, who she played in Paris, fourth round, or Johanna Kanta, who she played in a very good quarterfinal here last year, but Kanta hasn't had a great 2018 uh, so and might be feeling some pressure to back up that semifinal result from here last year. So all in all, I think Halep's uh, a draw winner. Is that fair? I think she's a draw neutral. I think this is a solid, okay. solid draw. I mean, you're the top, you're the number one seed, so you're you're expected to get maybe a little bit of protection here and there. But um, yeah, I think that this is a workable draw. I, I do circle a little bit if it's Halep Wang Shang in that second round. Wang Shang, a flat hitter who can you know do some damage on a on a grass court if she can kind of figure out the footwork Are around it. Grass results okay. Uh, they're they're not great, but she's still a quick court player. So and she's improving, you know, with with the week by week. So I would circle that as being a potential. Just like, hmm, I'm gonna pay attention to that one. But but on the whole, yes, I think that this is this is a good opening week draw for Halep. I mean, if she can't get through it, then then yeah, obviously she doesn't deserve to be there. <laughs> last, last thing I'll say in the seating, the player who would have been seated had Serena not been seated. Uh, by the All England Club was number 32 in the rankings, Dominica Sibylkova, uh, who is in this section, plays Alize Cornet first and then Kanta second, which is not a horrible draw. And it's, I mean, I thought, I mean, obviously the most hilarious thing would have 
be Sibokova versus Serena first round uh, and sort of play for that seeded spot. Uh, but this is not a draw that Sibokova should complain too much about. Will she complain? Probably. But it's. I think she did fine in the end, and I think it's kind of a non-story where she landed ultimately. Uh, so Halep, that's Halep's uh, road to the quarterfinals, which I think is pretty good. And then in that quarterfinal, she could play quite a few interesting players. Three Grand Slam champions in this next section here. Or four, actually, because Sam Stoser's in there, too. Uh, the high seed in here is Petra Kvitova. He's down at the bottom of this section. Opens against Saznovich. And then gets Townsend or Parmentier. And then Gavrilova or Diaz, Pung, or Stoser. Which I think is a pretty good opener for Petra. And I think she should be able to get through to the fourth round. Where she could have a rematch of the 2011 Wimbledon final against Maria Sharapova. Assuming Maria Sharapova gets through... Uh, a couple tough matches. Uh, first round against Diachenko shouldn't be too rough for Sharapova. But then Maria Sakari is a tough second round match. And then the popcorniest third round match, I think of all, is Sharapova versus Yelena Ostapenko. So how do you see that whole Kvitova eighth playing out? I like this draw for Petra Kvitova. And the reason why is, and this is something that we saw in Birmingham, she opened up against Johanna Kanta. And that was, and throughout the week, uh, Kvitova en route to her title defense in Birmingham, said that match was big for me. Petra Kvitova is a big match player. Yeah. Big name. A- put her on a big court. She doesn't want the easy draw. It, it's not not that she, I mean, they all want an easy draw, but she doesn't necessarily want to be put out on court, you know, 18 to play like number 112. It, put her on a big court, make her play the big names, and Petra Kvitova usually finds a way to show up. She may not get that win, but she shows up. And and I think that in that way, I think that this is a pretty good draw for her. It'll force her to kind of find some of the best tennis early on. Shout out to uh, NCR listener and umpire rule savant Victoria Chiesa, who will point out something about Alexander Sasnovich having decent record on grass, which she did last year when she drew Ostapenko first round. I remember you, sis, just saying... <laughs> Uh, uh, a against Sasnovich. I mean, Sasnovich has had a really good start to the year. I'm just trying to think. We didn't really mention her. Uh, it's kind of leveled off a little bit later in the year, but played well in Brisbane, which was a fast court, and played, you know, Belarusian fast court tennis and indoors at home. So maybe and that might not be the most straightforward opening match for Kvitova, uh, but I think she gets through. And I like Petra. If Petra gets to play Simona, I like, I kind of like Petra there on grass. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it would be a quarterfinal. Petra Kvitova has won every tournament this year at which she has made the quarterfinals. So she's undefeated in quarters, undefeated in semis, undefeated in finals. So yeah, I mean, you, that's a no-brainer. You have to get, you have to favor Kvitova in that match. That said, you know, we still don't know where Simona's head's at. We don't know if she's like Ostapenkoing like last year, where she's like locked right back in. And Ostapenko did great here after winning the French Open, making the quarterfinals. Um, so so we'll see. But um, but I'm looking forward to, and I really do hope that we do get Sharapova Ostapenko because their match in Rome was tremendous. That three setter it basically broke Ostapenko. She um, did the splits late in that third set, and mm. that was the leg injury that really bothered her in her um, preparation for the French Open, and she just felt completely out of confidence when she played that match against Kozlova. So yeah, I, I I really hope that happens. I would love to see that, and then you know if Petra has to play either of those two. She will show up. And then from there, she will show up if it's Simona Halep. And then, you know, like it, it's it's kind of set up to be a perfect situation for Kvitova if she can manage her energy levels. And that's the biggest thing is like she does. She can't get embroiled. We can't see too much P. Petra with a three, as it were. P. Thrisha. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of a, I, I think she's this very smart pick to win the title. I think she's the oddsmaker's favorite for a reason. She was last year here too, which is crazy to remember. Okay, that was crazy though. That was that nuts. was kind of after like la- that felt more like lack of other options that year, honestly. Yeah, but um, anyway, Kvitova is it this year? The defending champion uh, is Garbini Muguruza, who's in the second quarter of the draw. She opens against Naomi Rodi, which will be the first match on Tuesday. They have the women's champion play first on center court on Tuesday. And the thing about that is that you're going to have the defending champion who's also made another who's made a final two years ago come out on center court for her first match. And she's not going to be the crowd favorite at all. And that's a little bit awkward with, with Naomi Brody there. But um, so it's a little bit, and Naomi Brody's a bit of a tricky player. She starts lightening things up, but um, yeah, she, it's going to be a little bit awkward. Brody is the closest thing women's tennis has to a serve bot. Yeah. Uh, she's a tall, lanky player who hits a big serve and it's not very good compared to most of her peers at baseline moving or lateral moving or on the ground. 
off, you know, ground strokes. So I, I, it should be a good matchup for Muguruza, but it'll be kind of a rhythmless match. And if she's feeling really tight out there and Brody's playing well, but Brody might get tight too. Um, Brody, Brody doesn't have, like, again, she's, she models herself after Isner and Karlovich, but doesn't have their numbers on serve in terms of whole percentage or anything like that. So yeah, so that that could be an interesting one. Um, she got a wild card in here. The Brits did not have a good qualifying tournament. Men, I heard. men and women went zero for fifteen, uh, and all of them I think got wild cards into qualifying. So it was not a great run for the Brits, uh, including Dan Evans, who we didn't get to see here. Which I was sort of hoping Dan Evans would make it here, honestly, because um, I think his story is interesting. I don't know what other word to use for it. Uh, Muguruza gets in the third round, and that Contivite who she played, I think, third round or so in Paris a couple years ago? Or when she... I kind of remember that matchup vaguely. Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And I, I think this is a pretty good draw for Garby. Fourth round could be tricky against uh, Ash Barty or Daria Kisakina. But overall, I think I think Moog's got a pretty good start here. You? Yeah, it's it's not a bad draw at all for Garbina Magruza in her quarter. I think, obviously, you have to circle that potential matchup in the... The fourth round between uh, or against uh, Ash Barty or Daria Kasakina. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just because Kasakina has already beaten her twice on two different surfaces this year. Ash Barty, obviously, we know how good she is on grass and always dangerous. But the name that I would circle in here as being the potential foil in Garbinia Muguruza's title defense is Angelique Kerber. Uh, 11th seed, uh, just made the semifinals in Eastbourne, lost a tight one, had match point on Caroline, uh, Caroline Wozniacki. Should have closed it out. Didn't do it. Her stats were absurd, Kerber, and yet she lost that match. Uh, But I think that she comes in, having spoken to Kerber in Eastbourne uh, before the start of that tournament, she's in a good place and she's in a good mood. And if the the loss to Wozniacki doesn't, doesn't, doesn't shatter that... Uh, because she was like, look, I had a good clay season. I played well in Paris, and I never play good in Paris. Obviously, she had a great hard court season. So she comes in, and obviously a former finalist. Um, yeah, I think that if, if Kerber, Muguruza face off, and they played that great match last year in the round of 16, uh, that really kind of like kicked off the Muguruza, oh, my goodness, she might actually win this thing. Yeah. Uh, that was the match. So they could face off in the uh, the quarterfinals. I think that would be a big one. Yeah, so Kerber to get there... Um... Also, I should mention, just because I mentioned her, Jeannie Bouchard qualified. She pl- could play Ash Barty second in what would be a match of former Wimbledon junior champs. Kerber plays Vera Zvonareva, fellow Wimbledon finalist of years gone by, and then could get Naomi Osaka in the third round, uh, assuming Osaka Nikolescu is just a delight as a first-round match in terms of different approaches to how to hit forehands in life. <laughs> uh, wildly divergent there. Uh, Kerber could get Garcia. Uh, Garcia's got a tough draw. Garcia opens against Belinda Bencic who hasn't been consistent but has shown flashes this year. And so it's not someone you want to meet first round of a slam because she might have that good energy in her. Uh, and then possibly gets Baczynski, who's been hurt. I'm not sure how Baczynski is doing. Or Alston Risk, who's a very comfortable on grass player. is having a really good year. Has very few points to defend the rest of the year, Alston Risk. So Alston Risk could easily be sure. seeded by U.S. Open or seeded in Australia, for sure. I mean, she's, she's on her way up yeah. at this current moment. Um, so she's doing really well. Uh, yeah, I like I like Kerber to get through there. I mean, Kerber Osaka in the third round is an interesting match. It's a bit of a grudge match because Osaka did end Kerber's U.S. Open title defense in the first round last year, uh, but Kerber has since beaten her elsewhere. I think in Japan, right? I feel like got it. She's beaten her somewhere. I know she has, but Kerber to get through there. Yeah, I mean Kerber when Kerber started the year so well in Australia, Wimbledon was you know and then did okay on the American Hardcore. It's not amazing, but okay. I think uh, grass is always just going to pick it right back up that she did well at all making a quarterfinal in clay. It's, she's right that, you know, if I'm doing this well, on my worst surface, which I actively hate. I mean, Kerber is a often a very negative, reliable narrator, even her coaching timeout today with women facet uh, in that Eastbourne semifinal. She's being very down on herself. So yeah, it was a, uh, it, I think it's, it's good to see her back and this presents a pretty good opportunity for her. And uh, yeah, if I get a semifinal, Kerber Kvitova, I'm so there for that. That's that's great. That's really good. That's really good stuff. I mean, you know, we know this from before Angie kind of became a Grand Slam champion, a world number one, that like, that was that one season where she was always one half of the best matches uh, on tour. And she had that great one, that great win over Maria Sharapova at Wimbledon. Grass, she, I was watching that, that semifinal today against Waz. She just... She knows what to do on the surface. She and she backs herself. She understands that grass. I gotta go. 
I got to hit. I got to find the alley. Um, and she does it quite well. She was hitting far too many drop shots. But outside of that, it was good. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see Angie Kerber kind of reinsert herself because I think through the clay season, she she kind of disappeared a little bit. And even, yeah, as you were saying, the North American hardcourt swing as well, uh, despite the, the fast start. So it'd be, it'd be nice to get her building a head of steam going into the rest of the hardcourts. Do you see what just flashed up on your screen? I don't want you to get homesick. I did get an email from Domino's Pizza just now. It's a coupon. It was a coupon. It's tempting. It's real tempting. You'll be home soon and get all the the $5.99 Domino's you want. Fear not. (laughs) All right. The third quarter of this draw going to the bottom half now is anchored by Top Seed. The Top Seed in this quarter is number four, Sloan Stevens. And she is in here along with number seven, Carolina Pliskova is the other high seed here. Uh, Let's start with Pliskova's, which I'm just doing it top down on how it appears on the paper. Uh, Pliskova is uh, starts with another British wildcard, Harriet Dart. Which who is, beat her sister in Eastbourne in a stunning result. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I'd never heard of Harriet Dart. I'll be completely honest. I knew the name because it sounded like a book character kind of name. It does. It does sound like a book character. But Harriet Dart beat Christina Pliskova in three sets in Eastbourne. And the only thing I remember about that match is that it went pretty late. They were supposed to, they were on center and something happened. And so they moved from center court to court one. The match ended and we were all just waiting for it to end. And then we all were leaving the press center. And as I walked out of the press center uh, with a coworker, uh, Christina was just walking. Like she had basically, her team was behind her with her bracket bag. They didn't go to the locker room. She literally had walked right off court one, walked out of the gates and was walking back to the hotel. And she didn't look happy about it. So there you go. Harriet Dart, you did that. At the WTA Tennis and the Thames party. There was a photo, a lot of photos of a lot of different players all the way down the rankings and top, through the top 100, but doubles players too. A lot of faces I didn't recognize at first, especially in sort of in that dumb up way, out of context. And one of the most shocking things was that Christina Pliskova had a big smile on her face, which you almost never see, because she's a serious customer, that Chris Pliss. Uh, this is Carolina Pliskova we're talking about here. And she, the, the marquee match for her is second round against Victoria Azarenka. I am not sure, though. Yeah. That Azarenka makes that second round because she plays in the first round at Katarina Alexandrova, who has played well at Wimbledon before. Uh, Love Alexandrova, flat hitter, Czech, like powerful, or sorry, Russian. Russian. Um, and uh, she impressed me. She almost knocked out Karolina Pliskova at the, um, not almost, but she did play her pretty tight at the French Open last year. Um, and uh, have, have been keeping an eye on that Russian kid. I, I like her a lot. So I, that's, and that is to say also Azarenka hasn't been great in the last few months. And these are not good surfaces for her. Azarenka has made Wimbledon semifinal, won a Olympic bronze medal on grass too. But she's a hardcourt specialist. Seems like a stronger, but hardcourts are definitely her best stuff. And so I don't expect a lot from her here. I, I She did beat Pliskova in Miami this year. So if she gets through that, maybe she has some confidence. And Carolina seems kind of low on confidence right now, which I don't totally get. But so be it. Um, I guess so that's, that's that section. And then the winner there. Could play in the third round, the winner of the hipster favorite first round match between Arena Sabalenka and Mihaela Buzernescu. So excited for this one, you guys. High key, best first round match. It's, I, I, I'm not going to argue that. Um, and Buzernescu's, we don't didn't know much about her again. She's, she's just kept impressing results-wise time after time after time. Transition to grass looks seamless. She made the semifinals at Birmingham out of nowhere with no grass experience. Beat Svitolina pretty handily to make it to the semifinals there. She's playing really well. Sabalenka is, as we record this, in the made it to the final of Eastbourne, which is her best result ever. Uh, she plays big power tennis. It should be very well suited for the grass. She toned down the grunt today, uh, which no one minded. For a few games. For a few games. But it was still a sign that she can do it, and it's fine. Different, Either way, different the, topic. Co- the court microphones are going to get tested with both of these women on the court, because what I've discovered now, having watched Mihaela Buzernescu much more in the last like few weeks than I used to. She's oh, she, a monologue. She monologues in English. In English, in Romanian. I've been told that her Romanian rants, while sometimes profane, are also quite funny. She, uh, I think, uh, our our good friend Gabriel from DigiSport was telling us last night that she, because uh, he commentates her matches and does play by play for DigiSport back in Romania, and he said, yeah, there was one time she hit a ball or against Burton's uh, in a three set match that she won in Eastbourne this week that she hit a ball line and missed it, and she just screamed, "What am I doing? I want to eat that ball." Makes no sense, what? but it's certainly amusing. That's profound. Um, <laughs> and then, so, in the winner, whoever gets out of that Pliskova, Buzinescu, Sabalenka, uh, Azarenka section, 
could get Venus Williams is the number nine seed who could face that contingent in the fourth round. Venus has not had a great year, though. There's no getting around it. Venus uh, has lost first round of both slams she played, hasn't posted many big results outside of that. One of her better wins this year was against her sister, honestly, in the third round of Indian Wells. Um, this hasn't pieced together a lot. Um, came over to Wimbledon. She doesn't usually play ever play grass court tournaments. I still don't really understand that. The, the early loss of the French Open might not be bad for her preparation here. She gets onto the grass faster. I've always thought she should scale back on. I thought for years now that she should scale back on the clay, and so her result did that for her uh, by having her lose early there. And her draw is not bad. Uh, opening against, it's very good. Opening against Johanna Larson, Chris Pliss there in the second round could be tough on grass. Former junior champ Wimbledon. It's a catchphrase I use here a lot. Uh, yeah. And then Kiki Burton, who's not comfortable much but clay. It's it's a good draw. I don't, Steph Kova, by the way, is ranked like 700 or something. She's kind of the most random player in this draw. She qualified. So Venus has every opportunity, and if she doesn't make it through it, it's more of a real sign of concern for her where her tennis is at right now because this draw is good. And she can also then beat Karolina Pliskova or Buzernescu or Sabalenka. That, that's, it's a draw that's quarterfinalable, and as we look ahead, it's a draw. Eh, semis, depending on who makes it out of that next section, maybe tough. Not as clear a favorite in the semifinal and the quarterfinals, but it's a good opportunity for Venus, and I hope she can do herself justice here. And then, so the next section there, uh, Sloane Stevens section number four. She opens against Donna Vekic, who's had better results this year, playing pretty well, and then possibly Kuzmova or Peterson. And then Zhang Shuai, who opens against Pekovic and Bartle and Wickmeyer. Wickmeyer, by the way, currently be co- currently being coached. By Steve Darcy. Oh, I like that. Belgian pairing. The shark. There's more and more ATP guys drifting over WTA coaching ranks. It's interesting. And he's still, I don't know if he's still, if he's officially retired yet or just kind of on injury. So in Annabelle Medina Grigas. Yeah, doing kind of that. So maybe they'll win this tournament. Who knows? <laughs> and so that's, that's Sloan's draw. I think it's pretty good for the first week. Not too much. Vekic is not an ideal opener, but it's not the toughest draw, I don't think. And then the next she in that fourth round section. There's a quite a few interesting, good, solid names in here. Yulia Gerges is the high seed. I think it's Monica Puig, who's played well on grass, I think, in the past, I want to say. Coming off of injury, though, and so yeah, expectations are very, very much tempered for Monica Puig there. Yeah, Gouls has done better on grass in recent years, but still not her favorite surface. Uh, the favorite in this section, I think, would be number 23, Barbara Shritseva, who's the other seed in there. Over against Svetlana Kuznetsova, who's a big name, but hasn't been playing very well, honestly. Uh, and then Babos or Serenko. I like Beezus to get through there, and I think we get Beezus Sloan in the fourth round, which is kind of a people-pleaser match. That's a that's a good one. That's one of those ones that's going to be such a shame because they package everything together on middle on second Monday and Manic Monday, whatever they call it, and just that, that's one that's going to fall through the cracks, but it will be so good, I'm sure. So good, and, and I think that this is a really, really nice draw for Sloan Stevens. I do have a little bit more of an alarm bell off the first round match against Donna Vekic for Sloan. I think that mm-hmm. if she gets through that match, obviously Vekic playing that memorable match against Kanta here last year. She's good on grass. And Vekic. she's good on grass. Um, so I think that's a danger zone uh, match for, for Stevens. But if she can get through that, I think this is a good draw. And look, I mean, Sloan, we have no reason to doubt that Sloan doesn't know what to do with slams anymore. So, you know, like once she gets in that second week and gets building ahead a of steam, and this is not a terrible draw. I mean, she gets through and potentially could play what? Pliskova or a, a Venus in the quarterfinals in both of those matches, I, I would give Sloan probably a little bit of an edge there. Um, because as much as she has, I've been looking at her stats throughout the year, and one of the things that's been quite impressive is that her first serve percentage is, is quite high, which would indicate that she is kind of like taking it a little bit off. And we know Sloan yeah. can serve big if she wants to. So I'll be curious to see uh, with her and Kamau, you know, at Wimbledon, do you play? Sloan Stevens tennis that obviously has won you the U.S. Open and made you a semifinal or a finalist at the French Open, or do you actually make the the adjustments to to get the most out of grass as as you possibly can? And does that mean flatter? Does that mean a bigger serve? So I'm curious to see about that. And if, I think that if she makes those adjustments, I think that she has a really good shot here of of put, putting herself into the final four. Um, but if she doesn't make those adjustments and just kind of continues to play the tennis that has worked for her the last eight months, eh, I think maybe less so. Vekic could get her, yeah. yeah. So. That is that third quarter of the draw. The final quarter of the draw is the corner anchor by Caroline Wozniacki. We'll start at the top of this one, though, again on the lines, which is Alina Svitolina, who was the top eight player to draw Serena Williams, who's in there as a 25 seed. Serena got an amazing first couple of rounds, it's got to be said, opening against Arantxa Roos, and then the winner of qualifier Victoria Tomova and wildcard Teresa Smitkova. Smitkova made a fourth round here at Wimbledon a couple few years ago. as Maybe it's a lucky loser, or maybe it's a qualifier, something out of 
bit of left field and i think it was 2014 and then she uh has fallen off but she won the ilkley challenger which got her that wild card uh into the draw and that's but that should be come i mean so smikova's it doesn't have the pedigree at all to pull off a win like serena i don't think but then serena gets into third round against svitolina who beat her at the olympics uh most recently in the matches but on grass you just gotta think serena gets there and honestly actually i could see svitolina possibly losing to mladenovic who showed flashes and some decent stuff in Birmingham. Uh, and Tatiana Maria, her first-round opponent, just won Mallorca for her first career title. So Svitolina might get a little bit you know, battle-tested or banged up in those first two matches. And overall, it's a great draw for Serena. And she'll get through the fourth round, I think, pretty cleanly. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about the benefits of being seated, Serena Williams will not play a top 100 opponent until that third round. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. Um, and when I think in the past podcasts that we've had and the discussion about Serena at slams, the question of death by a th- by seven cuts, you know, kind of the field beating up on her. I don't think that in this situation, at least through the th- first two rounds, I would not expect based off of what I've seen from Serena at the French Open that she's going to get beat up too much. So that's two rounds that she should be able to pocket fairly cleanly. Um, without too much energy expended, especially and not as much as she had to expend at the French to beat Chris Pliss and Barty uh, to get to Gerges. So yeah, this I think this is setting up really nicely for her. And, and I think that before the draw, my thoughts about Serena going deep in this tournament are, were very different than what they were mm-hmm. after the draw came out. Fourth round, Serena could get uh, Madison Keys or Magdalena Rybarkova, both of whom much more comfortable on grass than Svitolina. Very similar opponents. Not really, but, you know, both people who like grass and show the sort of different routes to grass success, which is part of why I like grass and that it, it, it highlights and show, showcases lots of different kinds of tennis and different kinds of proactive tennis, I'll say. Uh, so Madison, number 10 seed here, hasn't played since the French Open. New coach, David Taylor, um, who was with Ospenko going into the French Open, is now with Keys going to Wimbledon. Keys opens against fellow Eisen buddy Isla Tomjanovic. It's not a good matchup for Madison Keys. She doesn't like playing Isla. I've been courtside too many times where where you can, when we talk about, for example, that semifinal against Sloan and a lot of the big takeaways, especially off of the U.S. Open final as well, is that Maddie does struggle playing friends. Isla's one of her best friends on tour. Just, I'm just saying. Okay. It's a little it's a little dicey. Well, then there's then there's Rabarakova in there, too, who's playing really well, made the Birmingham final. Uh, I think she's in good shape, maybe to get through Keys even. I kind of would like her in that matchup right now, but it's I think it's a bit of a coin flip, a really good mm-hmm. third round that hope gets some good airtime on whatever channel you're watching on. And yeah, and and Serena will be ready for that. I mean, Rabarkova is a trickier opponent than Keys. Keys is straightforward. But either one, I think, would be a pretty worthy opponent. And I'm just looking forward to seeing Serena compete at this tournament honestly i'm just looking forward to seeing what she has and it's uh she is the, the some air got sucked out of the french up when she pulled out i mean she was a, a big story there she's serena. she's serena i mean when serena goes out of any tournament the yeah. air kind of deflates a little bit that's yeah. just the fact when you have a goat wandering the grounds bah, whatever goat sounds what? goat make i don't know what do goats a sheep yo. what do goats do what uh, what noise do they make i don't think there's a noise I think, I think they probably just bah all right, here is the last eighth of the draw, which is Caroline Wozniacki. Bah. Her draw, that is not mad at Wozniacki. It's just mad at me trying to perfect my goat noise. It's not getting anywhere, guys. Um, Wozniacki opens against Lepchenko and then gets Makarov or Martich and then Radvanska, possibly. Not the best or worst. I think it's a fine draw. I don't think, I think, I think it's pretty, yeah, not bad. Martich can be dangerous, but. Caroline is playing well right now. She's the, the, it's the weirdest thing with Caroline. We were just talking about this before the show. She's year after year so good in Eastbourne and then so not good at Wimbledon. And I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. But I, I think that Caroline's draw, to me, reminds me a lot of uh, Halep's draw. Insofar, it's like it's a, it's just a solid draw. I don't think she won the draw. I don't think she lost the draw. It's a neutral draw. Um, Redvonsk obviously did well um, in Eastbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, had her chances against Sabalenka today, uh, but did benefit from a walkover from Kvitova. So we're still waiting to see kind of like toe to toe, but got a win over, I think, Ostapenko as well. But uh, but yeah, the, the mystery of Wozniacki at Wimbledon is always, it's it's a peculiar one because you're right. I mean, you'd think that, and watching her play Kerber today, again, the stats skewed very heavily to the German, but but Woz played well. I mean, she was, she was being, again, being proactive. It was rewarding proactive tennis and she was being that way. And um, and her serve has improved. The forehand has improved. She can hit a bit flatter. Yeah. 
there's just no reason that she can't get to a quarterfinal or semifinal there. Her first one, I think she doesn't have a quarterfinal here even before in her career. She's a former number one or a lot of number ones who's never made a quarter at Wimbledon, which is just hard to do or just unusual. Uh, fourth round, she could face Coco Vandaway, who's number 16 seed, or Anastasia Sevastova, uh, or Georgie's in there too. Georgie might have, I think Georgie did beat her at, at here once. And, no, that was Kvitova who beat her here in 2010. Oh, that match was spectacular. Um, it was one of the all-time beatdowns out of nowhere because Fidova was unseated and she just, and I think Wozniak is like number three at that point. It was an all-time beatdown, that match. Anyway, memories. Um, Coco's had a really up-and-down year. It's tough to know. Coco's had a weird year more than anything. I mean, she's lost at her at good tournaments and made the final of Stuttgart. So just, what? It doesn't make any sense. But she's here. She loves grass. And her draw is not awful. Opening against Siniakova. I don't think as much grass pedigree. And then maybe Jabir, second round, is not that bad. And then Sevastova, uh, she plays well in those other players. Those kind of players you would think would hurt her actually usually don't. The kind of chippy variety players. So Coco could make it. And then Coco could be, if Coco's at her best, she could beat Caroline. But she can also lose first round to Siniakova. I don't know. But I think she's an, a wild card in the sort of, we don't know what to expect, but pay attention to her sense. Oh, for sure. I mean, she's earned that respect um, at Wimbledon in particular, her most consistent and successful slam, you know, not results wise, but like just year after year, she gets into the second week always. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'd be very, very, very curious to see how Coco Vandaway, Caroline Wozniacki um, fourth round would go. I think that would be a pretty good Manic Monday match. Definitely. Ready for the men? Fire away. Any other last takeaways on the women before we switch to the dudes? No, I mean, on the whole, I think it's a pretty balanced draw. I mean, there there, there aren't clear paths one way or the other. I mean, I still think very heavily that, that Serena came out on top of, of anybody, really, yeah. of, the, of, the, of the tournament favorites. Um, you know, the dark horses, I don't think, got mitigated. You know, sometimes, like, you can think, oh, this person's dark horse, but then you see their draw, you're like, oh, no, like, that match. But for the most part, it's the, the Bardies, the Keys, the Vandaways, like... They have room to work. They have room to work, exactly. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Very, very curious. Here come the dudes. On to the men. Top line of the draw, Roger Federer got a great draw early on. Must be said, first three rounds, I think, are very straightforward for El Raj. Going up against Dusan Lajevic first, uh, who pushed Tasha Zverev to five sets memorably in the second round of the French Open. Courtney is having flashback eye widening and then gets Lukas Lachko or in his non-Roland Garros slam debut. Look who it is. Bonzi for Wimby G. Bonzi for Wimby G. It makes sense, guys. Totally. Wimby <laughs> G. Uh, and then, yeah, then Federer gets one of Karlovich, Yuzhny, Struff, or Meyer. Third round. I think it's a great draw for Federer. But then fourth round, potentially, I, I still don't think it's a bad draw, but he gets Chorich, potentially, who he just lost to in the hollow final. I think Roger's doing great here. I think Roger will, if he's healthy, coast to the quarterfinals where he will beat Sam Querrey in a gentleman's four-setter. <laughs> gentleman's four. I mean... Here's a broader question as yeah. we talk about Roger, because you raised that Chorich result, obviously, in the, the Hall yeah. of Final. How much do you take into consideration grass court results into how you handicap your Wimbledon? I think they're good temperature readings for people. And I think Roger won Stuttgart. The thing with Roger was weird as grass is he won kind of ugly when he did one. He got, he struggled through some matches in Hala. I mean, he looked chippy. He was a cranky old man in Hala. Cranky old person in Hala. Just looked, just looked grumpy. And he played Dennis Kugel in the semis and just looked really cranky the entire time. I didn't, I didn't watch the Torch match, um, but he, he lost it. I was not surprised after how just sort of out of it and, and pissy he looked. Honestly, most in the place where they named the street after him. Like, come on, if you can't smile at the, your own personal Disney World and you're like Mickey Mouse himself, but doesn't have to work or I don't know who he's, he's like. It's a nice place for him, is what I mean. And Hala is <laughs> lovely. It's a great tournament. They have really good food on site. They've got really good pretzels. I missed it this year. They have waffles. This has evolved really quickly from being about Roger to being about these, your appetite. They have these waffles that are made out of powdered sugar, and they have like their the the waffle iron is like a flower shape with petals. And each of the petals is heart shaped. So you have to tear it off heart by heart and eat it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And the inside is always a little bit undercooked. It's so good. All right. I think Roger's going to do fine here. <laughs> He'll make the quarterfinals. Uh, and then, yeah, the, but the, the next, that quarter, his quarterfinal opponent's pretty loaded. There's some names in here for sure. A uh, bunch of guys who've made Wimbledon 
runs before. Uh, Sanquiri, I think, will make it through there. He's played well on grass. He hasn't had a great year, but he's played made semifinal here. He just got married. He did just get married. Again, Mazel Tov to Sanquiri, uh, who got married the day of the French Open Women's Final. So hopefully they had Halep Stevens playing in the background somewhere. I guess it was West Coast. It probably wasn't on yet. Anyway, uh, Kevin Anderson's in there, too. Uh, it's been solid on can be a good grass court player. Hasn't had great Wimbledon results per se, but no reason he can't do well on grass. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be, and then Gasquet has made decent grass results in his career too. I'm trying. You're, <laughs> You're laughing. trying so hard. He's like, like the words, he's just, he's a player in the draw. <laughs> I'm just trying because we spent all this time on all these relevant women and then we get to the men and I got to act like they matter. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I do think, and I I'm, I genuinely meant this as the draw was coming out, I tweeted that, like, the ATP draws are actually, like, I find the whole ATP draw ceremonies, like, at the slams recently to be far more engaging than I used to find them when it was, like, a little bit more big four-y. And you were just kind of wondering, like, where did the three and fours land with the one and twos? And half. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now, like, there are more, like, oh, that's an interesting first rounder or that's an interesting third rounder but at the same time the goal feels still wide enough to where those might be interesting there might be interesting opening round or first week matchups but at the end of the day i think we all kind of have a gut feeling as to what's going to happen so that kind of like i don't know like um dulls the the excitement sometimes here's the thing it reminds me a little bit of and i say this i guess optimistically of what we were going into at the 2017 Australian Open when we had kind of reached mm. peak Djokovic Murray on Wii and they kept making the semi the finals of that tournament all the time. And they weren't great finals they played against each other either. And it was just sort of like, oh here we go again. And then they both lost midway through the tournament. It was like, oh my gosh, things can happen. If Roger struggles slash loses, this term becomes suddenly really interesting Fair. because then all these matches, which I'm now glossing over, do matter. And Query can suddenly do well, and Gasquet can maybe make it to a semifinal again, and Anderson can make it to a semifinal again, and um, Chorich, sure, Chorich can back it up and be the first guy of his generation to make a really, really good slam run of the next gen. Or I guess Chung made a semifinal this year too, and so did Edmund, but maybe make a final go even better. And Chilich can get a second slam and be in contention for that. Like if it, but until then, you're kind of just on pause, and that just seems all like completely uh a, a fairy tale yeah i mean it feels like a like a you know roger here and the way that he's playing and how he's played over the last two years it, he's the gatekeeper he's that old man at the that the bridge whole bridge of like that you shall not pass and it's like okay we keep calling him old i will say though he is now Dad. that now that that's weirder now that karlovich fell out of the top 100 roger Federer, oldest man in the top 100 and he's number one, or he was number one when he got that honor. This sport's weird. And guess Serena was. Man, I don't know. If she, was, she wasn't oldest top hundred when she was number one, but she was still not young. Anyway, weird sport. This uh, Marin Cilic is in the next quarter. Uh, I guess a fun opener against Yoshihiro Nishioka. I've never seen Nishioka on grass. But he's a fun player, uh, and will hopefully make Marin work for some rallies. Even on grass, that's pretty good. Uh, Jason Kubler's in the draw here. He qualified. Uh, he's a player best known for... You should read a story that Nick McCarvel did on him a while ago, and I think Courtney Walsh might have done one this week also, on Kubler, who previously had knee issues and would only play clay court tournaments for a long, long time. Oh, this guy. Okay. Yeah, this guy, exactly. Yeah. That, guy. that guy. And he would avoided hard courts for a long, long time, but now he's feeling healthier, I guess, and holding up well, and now he's playing a full, fuller schedule, and it's good to see him being a full-time participant on tour, but his back when he was doing that, it was interesting. Krajinovic is in here. Krajinovic has been very AWOL from tour since making that Bercy final, um, which is why he's ranked, why he's seated here. Um, but he's had a lot of injury issues pulled out of, I think, both Australia and French Open with injury issues, or just withdrawals. Uh, but he's here now. Um, so Chilich has a good draw. Dennis Kudla, I mentioned earlier, was in the Hollis semifinals. I like his odds of beating Lucas Puy, uh, 17th seed in the first round. And then uh, shout out also to Peter Polanski, who is in for the third consecutive slam as a lucky loser, which is an open era record, according to ITF records. They don't have complete lucky loser records, they say, but they there's no sign of anyone ever making three in a row before. So shout out to Peter Polanski for that. Uh, Ronich has been hurt and off and on. Um, I guess Chilich, she just kind of nodding along. I'm like, I know, I'm, you know, but <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> There is there there are there are factoids about these people. I have I, I have factoids. The factoids are great. I'm 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 soaking in the factoids. Okay, it's we, just. Can I throw you something you're gonna like more? 
Well, first of all, I'm really annoyed that Liam Brody has to play was, Milos Raonic. I was going to talk about Liam Brody, yeah. I, I know, but like, I'm just annoyed he has to play Milos. Like, why can't he play... Dennis Novak? Stefano Travaglia. That's a person. That's all I'm saying. He gets to play him second round. I mean, Raonic has been... Raonic pulled out of Quinn's Club Hurt, which was very surprising because I talked to him in press like two hours before and he said he was fine. And then he pulled out. I was like, what's oh, going on here? Weird. It was weird. Um, and then that last section of the straw, the marquee first round men's match is the number six seed Grigor Dimitrov playing at Stan Vavrinka. First round Vavrinka has not played well this year. Uh, got beaten pretty handily by Andy Murray and Eastbourne uh, this week. And that's not encouraging. Uh, but Dimitrov hasn't had a great year either, actually. So maybe that's going to be a messy match. I don't know. Uh, they both should play well to slam, though, I would think. Sits the passes in that section, too. I haven't seen him ever on grass, I don't think. Jared Donaldson is in there as well. He should be a good grass core player. Big serve. you think he would do okay there. Um, Isner is the high, next high seed in there at number nine. Isner's never done well at Wimbledon. Never. I don't think he's hurt. He made fourth round maybe once. I don't know. It's not a good... People think he'd be good on grass, but his serve doesn't bounce up high, and so it's like much more hateable for people, weirdly. Did yeah. you get the press release from ESPN no. that they were going to re-air... Isner Mahu, and everyone should watch it. And I was like, nobody wanted to watch it in the first place. Nobody's going to sit through that. Do you seriously want to sit through that? Why would you re-air that? Is there nothing else on? Is there no bowling? It must be on Classic, right? I assume it's on Classic, but is there, you know, they normally show bowling. Just show bowling. First of all, if we're going to go ESPN Classic, let's at least do like the women's billiards of the 90s. Oh, 100%. Like Jeanette Lee and Karen Kaur. Oh, the Black Widow. Oh. Jeanette Lee. I'm serious. This section is not so bad that we start talking about women's billiards. <laughs> That's what it might seem like. But no, okay. Okay. We're, we're, it, it's it's midnight. We're powering through this. Isner, I, I don't know about this section. <laughs> I don't know. Johnson has done well. None of these people are doing great right now. It's, Did I mention that Roger Federer is in this half of the draw? Yeah. So Chilich and Federer, I think, will make this sound nice. 100%. There we go. <laughs> Moving on to the bottom half. But Jeanette Lee, though, she was great. And I love she was so Ka- and, and Karen Core, Karen fashion Kaur. icon, those glasses. The glasses were amazing. Jeanette Lee with the 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 little hand thing Allison, that she was wearing. Was it Allison like, Allison, Allison Kerr? That person? There's some good perms going on around that time. It was great, actually. <laughs> women's like, bill women's bill. They showed it a lot. They did. They showed it a whole lot. It was it, it was like the OG poker. Like, before yeah. World Poker Stars, it was just, like, ladies' billiards. Totally. It was amazing. And it was great because Jeanette Lee was there being, like, the Kornikova. Or not that's maybe unfair, but, like, the sort of, like, the sex symbol of a woman's billiards. <laughs> and then the rest of them were just so objectively not that <laughs> that it was great. Because, like, because Karen Core looked like, like, late 70s Billie Jean King. Amazing. But, like, with much more matronly clothing. No Ted Tiddling in the women's billiard circuit. Oh my circuit. gosh, it was it was a lot, and I I I, I will say that I Google image Karen Core like less than a month ago, just like thinking about her at some point. It was wonderful. <laughs> C O R R Core, highly recommend it. Oh man, bottom half. So the, so the gentleman singles draw at Wimbledon. Getting too old for this shit. Uh, Alexander Zverev, number four, uh, is the high seed in this next section. Again, he has never. Lived up to his, I don't know, he's, no, he's not, I can't say he's never lived up to his seed in a major, but he's never made it to the, mm-hmm. he made his first quarterfinal, as we discussed a lot after he did it, and why we weren't thrilled by that, but his draw is pretty good. Uh, he gets another chance to play Jumer, hopefully it doesn't take as long against him this time. Opens against James Duckworth, then gets Fritz or Lorenzo Senego, who I think looks a lot like he could be Caroline Garcia's brother, weighing with your thoughts if you see him on TV. Uh, then Caroline. Caroline Garcia. That was the problem with that sentence. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Schumer. Uh, Golbus is in here. Golbus got a great draw. Played pretty well at qualifying. Then opens against Jay Clark and then possibly Schumer or Martyrer. That's pretty good. Um, I want to see what Maximilian Martyrer does on this surface. I'm, pro- I'm guessing probably yeah. not well because it's like a little, he hits like a little too Rafa-y, like big topspin forehand, like very heavy. But I was like very impressed with him at the French Open. Like, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to watch you play more tennis. I feel like I saw part of his match in Hala. He did okay. Who did he play? He played um, someone. Cool. But, like, I'm really, I'm really, like, I'm I'm digging the martyr situation. Are we standing? We're standing? I don't know if I'm standing, but I'm definitely intrigued. Okay. Like, it's where, like, oh, I see you. If, if that match is going, I might click over. Okay. That's that's what that, I'm saying. That's a ringing endorsement. From me. Yeah. Zverev, the, the Zverev fourth round is where it gets interesting. He could play Kane Shikori. Uh, who opens against Christian Harrison, who qualified, or and then uh, then two lucky losers in that section also play each other, Tomic and Hubert Urkaz, and then Nick Kyrgios is in there, and hopefully Nick Kyrgios is healthy, 
and well hydrated because he has um, that is a water bottle reference that's all i really want to say about that uh because that would be penis <laughs> would be a good fourth round match between sarah and curious that, that's what happened I don't, i'm just i'm just i'm just describing what i what i think i may have seen metaphorically uh, it was a lot i'm curious what his answer is when he asked that about what motivated you to be so expressive well knowing nick he'll turn it around on the journalist what do you don't do you not do that do you do that do you do that do you do that do you do that answer it yes no do you do that that would be so nick to do that answer the answer honestly it's not at queen's club um <laughs> novak Djokovic is uh in the section two so that's that's the section to get to the quarterfinals again if he's going to go on a quarterfinal streak, maybe wouldn't that be something? Uh, Novak Djokovic is there as a possible fourth, uh, quarterfinal opponent as his dominant team. Uh, this whole section, Djokovic opens against Tennis Sandgren, who hasn't played great since Australia or since I knew he was any okay. Indy Wells hasn't played great in a while. Um, team is in there. It, I think Djokovic will get through to this quarter. I think team's grass is patchy. His record catching off as a decent draw. I don't know. It, it's one. It's, it's actually again. It's a fascinating draw. If it feels relevant. And the, on the bottom half, it does. Bottom half, there's no Federer. And so it's kind of a great chance to see who can make it out of here. It, it's really kind of a free-for-all, this draw, I gotta say. I mean, maybe it's very similar to the French Open, where it felt like Rafa in the top half of the draw, you know, it was a challenger bracket yeah. in the bottom half. And it's a little bit similar. It's a lot of the same names here in the bottom half. You know, I mean... Checking with, here. Obvious. But, like, with Team and, 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 and Zverev and stuff like that so and obviously delpo was in that top half with rafa and he was the one that people thought maybe he might bother rafa and that's the same thing with chilich i think in the top half with federer so you know i mean like this quarter this Zverev team quarter is a quarter that like i would watch if it was a tournament like oh, i'd be yeah. like oh this is a cool tournament like, isolate it it's a great 250 tournament or, yeah. or 500 and, and i and I, I i i like nick i like nick coming out of here i'm just gonna i'm gonna put that out there i think nick this is a big opportunity for Nick. Again, if his head is on straight. If he can keep it in his pants, he can get out of there. I tell you, man. It was a costly uh, costly money shot there for him. <laughs> All right. The bottom quarter of the draw, Rafael Nadal uh, is in here. Nadal has not, I believe, made it, not even made a quarterfinal since he made the 2011 Wimbledon final. It just says results have been bad here. And everyone keeps talking, Federer Nadal final, Federer Nadal final. And it's like, well... Better, yeah, I can do it, but Nadal, there's like, I've been low on Nadal on grass for years. I, I, I've been very constant on that. And I can it, vouch for that. Yeah, you I, are. I have been consistently low on him, and he just doesn't seem to work with his game anymore. He, I, I, I've heard people theorize with his knees, although the knees seem to be fine lately as far as we can tell, but he doesn't bend as low as he used to. That same kind of driving power off the backhand. Maybe the grass has sped back up a little bit from when he was at his absolute peak eight, uh, ten years ago. I am not sure. We did a podcast, by the way, with uh, John Wertheim. who did the documentary on the 08 Wimbledon final. That was Federer Nadal. Nadal wins it. Spoiler. So his draw is great, though. Duty Sale is pretty good on grass, but not the kind of player you would really think could hurt a full-strength Rafa, if Rafa is indeed at full strength, as we imagine he is. Um, then Kakushkin and Pospisil the next round uh, is fine. And then Chekinato had never won a match on grass before. Uh, this week, and then he won a couple rounds and made semifinals of Eastbourne. So he's playing a little bit better. Uh, Alex Dimineur would be really fun to see if he can get through there. Misha Zverev, also a player who, and actually Pierre Ugerbert, two players love coming to net, uh, could make things interesting in a sort of classic grassy way. And that's kind of the way that Dustin Brown beat him, I guess, uh, when they played. Um, so maybe there's some interesting things in here, but then the, uh, the seeds are not that tough. Chekinato and then Fanini and Schwartzman, not good grass court players. Diego's never won a match on grass in his career. It's a 14 seed here. Maybe that formula should be a little stronger. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a good, good draw for Rafa. And as down as I am on his grass chances all the time, um, we can go over that next eighth, that Delpo Goffin eighth. Next. Murray. Murray is in there. We'll get to that section next. But I think overall, Rafa to the quarters, which I think is, his, again, is his best result since 2011. I like it. I mean, not... Because of him, because of who's not, because of the opposition, which I just don't think is there. Yeah. Thank you, Courtney. <laughs> Your boy Andrew Murray is back in this tournament. Uh, Andy uh, played in Queens Club uh, in a very weird match against Nick Kyrgios. That was at the time it was the weirdest Nick Kyrgios match of the week, and he 
played okay. Then he went to play Eastbourne and was still on the fence and is still a little bit playing, will he, won't he, about the playing, which is aggravating the British press. It seems like they're keeping them just on edge, I guess. I don't know what it's doing to them at this point. They're beyond description. Andy Murray is back and he's in this draw. Open against Benoit Pair. He got a tough draw. Benoit Pair is playing well, played well against Federer and Hala, held match, a couple match points against Federer and Hala. Uh, and then he gets Shardy, who's playing really well on grass, made the final of Sir Togenbosch, won Surbiton, I think, and then made another deep run, maybe Eastbourne. New uh, London resident, Jeremy Shardy. Yes. Uh, hopefully the papers will adopt him as a brick, because he might be the one who goes furthest to this tournament. <laughs> um, the second round, and then, or Denis Shapovalov, who's played well on all services and had a really great 12 months to get up to be number 26 in the seedings here. And then Del Potro in the third round, possibly. So it's a hellish draw for Andy Murray, but it's great to have him back. We're just happy to have Andy Murray back. I do hope that he plays. And the primary reason that I hope that he plays is that I just want for Andy Murray to have that celebratory moment. I feel like people in his absence have kind of realized, oh, we miss him now that he's gone. Like in what he, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, that whole cliche. So I would like for him to just like play so that he can walk out onto center court and be applauded and loved. Because that's what he got at Queens. That's what he got at Eastbourne and, and the reaction. And yeah, I just want Andy Murray to know that, you know, tennis likes him. Tennis maybe not never treated him like they liked him for a long time, but tennis likes him. Yeah, I don't know what you got till it's gone. This is the first time since we've been in last year, big four have all been in a tournament together. Ooh, weird. Um, which is almost all due to Murray being out. Yeah. Um, and Stan, always Andy. Stan actually. Always blaming Andy. Stan actually was out almost that whole time, or a lot of that time too. And so added big five. Uh, I think it's, I want to, I saw some stat that was good stat about it. It was before that there had been a long gap before they played together also. I forget what that number was, but it's been sporadic. And so these could be the last Wimbledons for players you like. We don't know. I mean, not saying any of them in particular, I'm putting on retirement watch, but just in general, I Time still, I still feel like there's this, I felt this way for my, pretty much my entire reporting career. Like there's this huge dam of players who should be retiring who aren't. And at some point, that dam will break, and a lot of them will leave. Stop subtweeting Leighton Hewitt. Leighton's still here. <laughs> Leighton is still here. Leighton, I mean, God bless him. He's he's still here. He's playing. If he wants to be Simona Halep's hitting partner, I'm here for it. He's, that was a cool video. He, he's playing a full schedule. He's I I put out a poll months ago, which I'm still fascinated by, just, just following it. Who will play more tournaments this year, Leighton Hewitt or Serena Williams? <laughs> Leighton's in the lead. Counting Wimbledon, he's at 7-4 over Serena. And he's retired two years ago. So it's just, it's something. All right. So that's the Ben Straw. Uh, you mentioned your boy Muffin is in there. Uh, Jack Sock continuing to lose everything he plays pretty much. He's in there. Uh, also against Berrettini, which is eh, winnable-ish maybe. Basilashvili's tough second round. But Jack maybe can get some momentum. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know. He's not playing well. And that's the Ben Straw. That is. And that concludes the gentleman Singles Draw at the Champions Ships. Thank you for coming have to Wimbledon and have a safe trip home. That was at the end of one of our episodes once, when the one where you left Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. and it was like, and then um, Oasis played, uh, and it was like in terms of like heartstring and CR moments. Nice. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, so that's this episode of No Challenges Remaining. Thank you for following along with Wimbledon Draws. Let us know your picks for what you think will be the best matches, who you think will be upset, champions, if you have interesting picks, especially hipster picks, if you are going to be there at Popcorn for Buzernaski Savalenka. Hope they get like court 14 or something like middle sized at least. Uh, we'd love to see you there. We'll have a tailgate outside that match. Uh, thank you for listening. Follow us along on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. We're on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Email us, no challenge remaining at gmail.com. Leave us reviews on iTunes and subscribe to us on whatever your podcast platform of choices, including Overcast, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, etc. Do you have any rant rave thoughts, Courtney, since I last heard from you? I don't know why it's so hot in Europe. I've been here since the beginning of April. It's been very toasty throughout. I remember when I got to Stuttgart, it was super hot. Uh, it, it cooled down eventually. Madrid was quite warm. Uh, Rome was a steamer. Paris, everybody thought it was going to rain. Never rained. Uh, yeah, it's just been really, really warm. This is not why I come to Europe. It's very, very frustrating. I would like things to cool down. That's all. It's been unseasonably hot in in. Britain especially. Um, I'll just do an oldie but a goodie. The whole, I haven't looked in in your bathroom here, but how's your shower curtain situation? Perfect. It's a sliding glass door. It goes all the way. There's no water leaking out. It's incredible. You mean that someone in this continent has realized that it's good to have a shower that keeps the water in? Someone has. 
that's like right up there with the discovery of penicillin here. I'm telling you. Accidental? Because my bathroom in, in my place, with which is shared with the host, I just rent one broom, so the other guy uses it too. And even I was a little felt consoled that even he floods it completely also. And just like not a thing. It's just like, it's like what what are you doing, man? Like I'm just like, I'm looking forward to going home to my home shower where there's a curtain that pulls all the way across and you can just stand there and not feel like you're, you know, doing FEMA prevention. There's a lot of, I mean, you know, this our Airbnb, which we love in Paris, but it's a little bit of a dangerous situation, not because of the curtain, because of the how it's a very high tub and it was quite, it wasn't really wide. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the, it was like, it, it was like shaped like a U. Yeah. And so like, if you stepped even just like two inches to the right, like you were like standing on the side of the, the bathtub and so crawling, like getting out of it was always like, I'm going to die. Uh, I don't know. I don't, is this because like in America, we are such a litigious society that we've fixed all of these things. Like you cannot have a slippery bathroom floor. You cannot yeah. kill people because you will get sued and put out of business. And that's just not the case in Europe. Like, and so I feel like I'm just really happy to survive at the end of the day with my life intact. We will talk about the American litigiousness as being a bad thing, but the fact that it gives us like railings on staircases and bathrooms that don't get flooded routinely, I'm kind of into that. It's pretty good. With that, We're real stupid, but on that, you know, did okay there. Have our moments. We'll see you guys. Bye. Bye.